1: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV and a fine Balls Wednesday to you and yours. I'm Jeff. Tom will be along shortly. Director Matthew in the house as well on Twitter. It's at Show. If you're watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like, subscribe, celebrate, share, and let's go. So, what am I? What I don't normally check the chat to start the day. Do I see a a, a positive? Bob Nutting ski resorts got killed this year. Pirates will trade everyone. <laughs> um, I'll get to that. Hey Jeff, Bob Nutting ski resorts got killed this year. Yeah, I I need. Um, I was hoping you were saying Bob Nutting had been killed at a ski resort today. That was the one. I so I don't have my glasses on. So I saw Bob Nutting and then Ski Resort and the word killed, and I was hoping that that was – but the news can't be that good. Robert Nutting is still with us, and he still owns the Pirates. It's very disappointing. It's very disappointing. Uh, but not not unusual to go into a season devoid of hope if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Last night, the Knolls bullpen decided – yeah, this would have been a good win, guys. This would have been a, a nice night for us, for a team that is in need of a nice night. Uh, The bullpen, no, but alas, couldn't get outs, and Florida State falls to a better baseball team, Florida. Hurts, but sometimes, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to see and admit. I'll tell you something. So I was at football practice yesterday yesterday, and we did on Warchant TV, uh, Ira and myself, a synopsis afterwards, which you can go and find now. And, uh, and, and, and I'll talk about all of that good stuff in just a second. But because I was at football practice yesterday, um, I was in Dick Hauser Stadium for warm-ups between Florida State and Florida uh, before that game. And I watched batting practice for the two teams. And a couple things really stand out, and and this has actually been going on for a little while. It's funny. I, I relay it this way. So Ira, as you guys know, way back in the day, covered the University of Florida, and he uh, he remembers. He he told me a story one time that uh, in the '90s, in the early '90s, um, this particular Florida team that he was covering, Steve Spurrier was the coach, was pretty good, but. Uh, they they came up here to Tallahassee, and as you guys all know, Steve Spurrier never beat Florida State in Tallahassee, never defeated Florida State at Doe Campbell Stadium, not one time. It's got to eat at him for a guy that competitive. I bet you when he's on the treadmill, it's it's something that crosses his mind to this very day. So um, he, so you know, he he never won up here. But he brought, a, he brought a good team up here a few times, as we well know. And there's a famous tie involved as well. But Iris said when he came to cover that game, he remember being down on the field and looking at Florida State that particular year and thinking to himself, Jesus, Florida State is a lot bigger than Florida. Like, this ain't going to go well. And I had the same experience many, many years later, not all that long ago, in fact, in Norman, Oklahoma. When Florida State was rising to prominence and Jimbo thought they were a little further along than they were to the point where he was almost, I don't know, not quite predicting an upset win, but you could tell he was confident that Florida State would go on the road and equip themselves quite nicely. And so I went to, to Norman, Oklahoma for that game, and, and, and that's a matchup that I love. You guys who are longtime listeners of the show know why. Got family from Oklahoma. And, uh, and so anyhow, it was a chance to go to the old family farm and see stuff that I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And we get to the game in Norman, and, and the folks at Oklahoma were really generous hosts until the game kicked off. <laughs> but, but down on the field before the game, well, that's where I traversed. And I took in on the hoof, as they say, the two teams. And I went, ooh, oh, this ain't good. This ain't good. And I came back to my seat and reported to my father, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're, we're in trouble. Uh, those are some big boys on the other side. And uh, they have more of them. We, we don't have guys that look like that. And typically bigger, stronger, faster in football. Yeah, that plays. That plays. So I can still remember that. Um, So that's how that went. And then, so then, uh, here we were last night. And I'm standing next to, to Corey Clark. And Corey looks like Florida State. And I look like Florida. In this analogy, I say that lovingly, Uh, Florida's big, man, like a lot bigger than we are, and they have been for a long time, and it's upsetting. I'm tired of it. I mean, it's pre-link. It's just when you go there, you look at it. You're like, what is going on? Why? Why are Florida players, I mean, watching batting practice, it's easy power. It's light tower power for days. Every one of those guys hitting just kind of oppo above the light stanchion. I'm like, what the hell? I saw a right-hander ring three off the tent without even really, I mean, I just thought to myself, what are we doing here? We got to get some bigger dudes out here, man. It's not everything. There are little guys that do really well in baseball. That's fine. That's great. You don't need a team full of them. We we could, you know, it'd help to have a first baseman that's 6'5". it helped. help. I mean, we got, you know, we got to get a little bit bigger and stronger. That's all I'm saying. I mean, We've got some kids that I love, and this Florida State program is going to be fine. I think they get the right guy. I think this is going to be a trying year. You're going to see glimpses here and there of of the good things to come. Right now you see a dearth of arms. They don't have enough arms. Florida's got a lot of them. So that's a, a quicker way to close the gap would to ha- would be to have more power arms. All right. But I would also like to see us find a bigger, stronger athlete. And we did. A couple of the young guys. Obviously, all you gotta do is look down there at third base. You got you got a hoss. You got some guys, but they gotta get they gotta get stronger and bigger, man. Florida is littered with big dudes. Uh, the kid who's got the 14 home runs or whatever he has already this year is six five two forty. 240. You ain't seen a lot of six five two forty 240 out there for Florida State. We got a guy. A guy. So it's, it's you know, frustrating because they have that game up 5-1. They got a good start. You felt like, all right, defensively they played okay, but you just – don't have enough in the way of pitching. So it's a little it's a little frustrating. Uh but I'm not going to freak out. I will tell you this weekend against Virginia. Virginia's good. Really good. And this could continue a stretch of baseball that hurts. Um this is they're on a they're on a run right now that is uh well obviously it hasn't been fruitful. It's not uh, littered with wins and bright spots. These are lessons being learned, but the one thing to take away from this week so far and it's it had the game on Wednesday, excuse me, Tuesday. They're getting healthier. You're starting to see guys come back into that lineup that are very important. A, it extends the lineup. B, you can put people back in their more natural positions or at the very least keep them from having to play in positions that they're not comfortable. And I think that will eventually Help this team now. Remember, when guys go down and they go down for injury, baseball is a game. Uh, you know this as a pitcher or a hitter. Baseball is a game of timing, and it's hard to miss all those abs and then get inserted back into the lineup and be ready to go. You can struggle, and you watch guys fight through that. That's one of the things about spring training. When you watch spring training, and it, you know I'm a baseball fanatic, so I'm <laughs> I'm watching spring training all the time. I'll throw up even condensed versions of the spring training games, just A, I like it, but B, I want to see who's getting opportunities from the farm system and all of that. Well, those early games are pretty dreadful a lot of times. Guys just don't look look like they've ever swung a bat. But by the end of spring training, you see your more seasoned players. They've got their timing, and they, they wait on the ball to get deep in the zone, and you start to see that. And you watch pitchers, too, amp up their velocity and all that. So you got guys coming back from injury. That's good news. Maybe a minute before... They round into form all right so let's go with football and if you have questions, feel free fire away I'll give you my observations uh i, I I'll tell you what I'm going to continue we could start every day if we wanted to with the the offensive and defensive line you just could and that first and foremost ought not get overlooked that ought to be something that you celebrate every time I say it, even if you're sick of me saying it. If every time you jump in your car, turn on your computer, however it is, you take in this program, YouTube, whatever it might be, and you say, damn it again, Cameron. You and the offensive and defensive lines. Yes, yes, yes. You should want to hear that in perpetuity. You ought to think to yourself, you know, Cameron's been talking about how kick-ass our offensive line is for 10 years. That should be a dream. You should aspire to that. I'm tired of this. Every day with the offensive line talk, it's May 7th, Jeff. Jesus. That's what you should be doing. But I'm I'm saying, like, that's what we do. When we go out there, <laughs> whether it's Warchin or anybody else, when we go out there, we're like, look at that big son of a bitch. Look at that guy. He's huge. And he can move. And there's another guy. Look at that guy. He too is huge. Got good feet, good knee bend, good technique. That guy's even bigger. Look at him. We do it all the time. I can't stop doing it. I get excited every time. I'm like, look at that. And then you guys know me. I've told you the key to good offensive-defensive line play. Your ass. And there, there are butt cheeks all over the place. Giant ones. So that's a great sign we should all celebrate sizeable butt cheeks that litter the offensive and defensive line. I could begin there every day because every time we go out there it is very very impressive. And yesterday was no different. After practice, we had a chance to talk to Mr. Farmer. Who's big dude, real big dude and is fun to talk to. You can tell he's coming into his own. He had a lot of great things to say about that segment group, the defensive line, in particular the interior of the defensive line. Uh, One of the reasons is, you know, again, he was former teammates with Daryl Jackson, Um, and it's interesting. Like you kind of look and you watch, um, you watch them play, you watch them rotate, and you can sense that they're very much uh, there's an understanding of the competition, but also this thread between them that is, um, you know, I, 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 for, for bottom line is this, they're rooting for each other. And it's not always necessary. I'm not trying to make it sound like everybody has to love each other on a baseball or football or basketball team. It helps. It's nice. You'd prefer it. But it is, it is certainly a breath of fresh air when you watch it, and I think it probably makes it easier to go to work You know, we know that from our own lives, right? When you go go to the office, if you like the people you work with, it helps. It helps. So those guys encourage the heck out of each other. They do a really good job of um, uh, encouraging, teaching, like the veteran players, teaching the younger players. That continuity is there. And I just think they have such a, a depth of talent at that position now. Um, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to change things uh, for this Florida State team. What they can do in terms of the looks up front, but also how hard they can play during those reps. You know, Fabian is not going to be asked to play 50 reps. You know, he's going to be out there for 30. And, 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 and Daryl Jackson is a game changer. He is quite literally a game changer. I, he By the way, he's the most impressive defensive lineman out there. He's better than Fabo. He's better than all those guys. He's a beast. And listening to Farmer talk about those guys, in particular talk about Jackson, he said, yeah, you, know, you know, I knew he was always going to be a problem for people because when I got to know him, again, they played together in high school. He was 6'3", 198. You know, he was tiny for, for a defensive lineman. And he was already a bully, this is his words, not mine, to offensive linemen when he weighed 200 pounds. He's like, what is he now? Six six three twenty seven, and he still has that mentality and that strength. And so when you watch it, he's not kidding. It's, whoo, that's a hoss. That's a handful. That's a load. There's just not a lot you can do with him. Florida State has to hope that they get the good news regarding his eligibility. The sooner, the better, because every practice I go to that I watch that guy play, the more I think that the difference between being good or maybe great on defense is that dude. Like, if, if he's not eligible, and there's no indicators that he won't be, and they feel very good that he's going to be. But if he's not in your rotation, you're, you're a different defense. That's how good he is. Like, you would, re- there's some guys that if you take out of the rotation, you go, All right, well, I prefer to have him. We're better with him. But he's not a game changer. He's not going to dominate the game. They don't have to account for him with double teams and the like, right? They're just guys that are just dudes. They're just jags, as they say, right? Just another guy. Even if they're slightly plus, even if they're quality depth, they, they're they not changing the game. That dude's changing the game. Changing the game. So it's, um, it's fun to watch that. But I want to go to the tight end room. I want to go back there because we all celebrated the pickups of Kyle Morlock and Jaheim Bell. And we knew from the tape that we saw of Jaheim Bell, like what kind of player he was. He was versatile, right? You saw the kind of athlete that he is. Watching him, it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's an integral part of the offense. You just watch that. You're like, okay, well, he, they've already worked him into the fold in a way that they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. But Kyle Morlock yesterday stole the show, guys. He is bigger. Now, I knew he was tall, but he's bigger than we thought he was. I I think, you know, just looking at him at shorter, maybe it's because it's a small school and you thought, well, he went there. There must be, he must not have been the requisite size yet. Or I I don't know, you know, how hadn't he been discovered is kind of like the way you're looking at it. So I maybe, made some, I maybe had some preconceived notions that I shouldn't have had about who he was going to be. But what he is is a really tall, thick athlete. Very, he runs very well, changes directions very well, has good hips, gets in and out of his breaks, has good hands, and can really move at that size. They're pretty well loaded. We asked Mike and Ravel about it after practice yesterday, and Mike is very purposeful in the way that he speaks. He thinks about what he's saying. He catches himself constantly. I think he's crafting a message to his players and also to the fans a lot of times. He is, and I'm not saying it's a manipulation. I'm saying he's just very careful. He wants to choose his words in a way that applies specific to either a player, a segment group, maybe to the fan base, whatever it might be. And he got asked the question, and every now and then he'll break character, if you will, when you can tell that he's genuinely pumped about something he's got. You know, like, (laughs) you know, it's it's like you're trying to to stay even keel because you got a long way to go. They haven't played a game yet with this group. And, you know, but you can tell he's envisioned all kinds of things for this group and the possibilities, the problems that those guys are going to present to opposing defenses. And so I'm watching this yesterday, and those guys are lighting it up. The tight ends are having the best day. And you're looking at them, and you're going, geez, Louise, look at this look at this kid. He's better than I think he's better than they thought he was going to be. And Biscuit continues to get better, and you know how big that dude is. And he's a whole different problem for defenses. So I'm watching it, and I think this is so good. So he gets asked the question after practice. Mike Norvell does. I think Ira asked the question, in fact. And Mike just ear-to-ear grin, just a smile. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that." Uh... And then he caught himself because he did not want to besmirch the previous tight ends that have come through here. Like, he got giddy, but then he realized it's kind of a way of saying our previous tight ends sucked. And they did. Uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, no, the possibilities of that room are, uh, I mean, it's, uh... now, we liked our other tight ends. We we did. <laughs> That's the classic no offense, but dot dot dot. Yeah, this this gives us a greater depth and I was waiting for it. And I'm like, come on, just say it, say it. And he finally said, and you know, some some more athleticism. Oh, there it is. There it is. They're not just another body. They're a matchup problem, and offensive minds are always trying to isolate matchups. That's all you do as an OC. You're just trying to exploit areas in which you have a physical mismatch, where you have an advantage. And he knows this year, knock on wood, that that group gives him a distinct advantage. Those are matchup problems, and it's not just a guy in the segment group. It's three of them. And we'll see if anybody else emerges. I don't want to ignore Jarrell Powers or anybody else for that matter. But I think, I think when you see it, you realize like how giddy he is. And I think he feels the same way about the running back room. And I think, you know, obviously he, he's got eyes. He knows what that defensive line is. He knows what this offensive line is. It's going to be a tough summer, guys. I am very seasonal. I love the sports to play out as they do where they are. I've been on this earth for 51 years, and I've loved sports for about 45 of those. And so you get really used to the seasons. NFL, college football, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever it is, right? And you just kind of fall into a rhythm. Oh, Oh, now it's time for this. Now it's time for this. Now it's time for this. I very rarely, I say that to say this. I very rarely... Sit around and long for any one sport, even if I like it more, to 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 be here sooner than it needs to be here, right? It's like when winter comes around, I'm ready for winter. By the time winter's over, I'm ready for it to be a little bit warmer. God knows when the summer is dying down i I begin to celebrate because I get tired of a hundred. But I this offseason man... For, for for football, for college football, for Florida State, whew, we're going to need distractions. We might have to just do a bunch of charitable events. Let's just, just be doing something all the time. You got to give me something to look forward to. Like I buy concert tickets constantly because I want to put it on the calendar. Hey, we're going to see so-and-so. Hey, we're going to see so-and-so at this venue. Hey, we're going to fly over here and see. Because I just want something on the calendar to look forward to. It gets you through. Like, I've got to find something that is going to distract me from how much I desperately want to watch the way they utilize the talent they have on this football team. They got a lot of it. It was a good day for the defense yesterday. I'm just now kind of scratching the surface of the talking points from yesterday's practice. They got another one tomorrow, and then they have a scrimmage this weekend. Really wish we could watch the scrimmage. But, That said, Mike is very transparent and usually pretty straightforward with us, so I I have a sense that we'll get a good idea of how they play. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good, too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair. But if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit. And uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D And five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. athleticgreens.com slash jcs Chef Cameron, show 933 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Gonna be with you. There is Tom. Hello, Tom. How are you, baby? Good, good, good. All right, so here we go. Back to it. I have some questions to answer here. Uh, (laughs) Not everybody got to hear that. Uh, Jacob, you should be fired up, man. Garrett wants to know the red zone lineup with the new talent. I don't know, but they got options. They can play big, too, man. That's the other thing. They can go heavy. It's a beefy one. It's a beefy one. Maybe that's the answer. It's beefy. Well, are we in short-yardage situation where the field's been shortened and the uh, goal line is obviously or the end line is acting as an extra defender? Then, you know, you got to be able to get two yards here. Well, you can go unbalanced. You can go, I mean, you you got size all over the place. You ought to be able to get a couple yards. Couldn't last year. Couldn't last year, so your options were very limited. You had to finesse your way into the end zone. That's always annoying because football is not a game of finesse.
0: That will be a detail that we are not allowed to discuss, whatever they want to do in goal line. Whatever they show us all during the spring game, we get to discuss. Otherwise, just think about some of the wrinkles that they've broken out for goal line because they have to trick their way historically here under Mike Norvell to get into the end zone, but it's usually weird. Now, there were some moments last year where we had standard goal line sets and D.J. Lundy scored several touchdowns in those situations. But one would think you can just run a standard set and it doesn't have to be a fullback dive because it's a
1: gadget. You can just run yeah, straight it, up the gut. Yeah, Yeah. that's going to be so fun. man. I am excited about the options, even if I can't expound specifically on what it is they're doing. Just knowing that they have them. And um, you know, it it'll, it'll be fun. Jeff, do you think all day Dre <laughs> could be an answer at punt returns? I know, freshman. But he jumps off the screen. He does, man. He does. It's uh good you bring him up. Uh Vandravius Jacobs is one of the freshmen since we're having the conversation, uh, that I wouldn't count out playing significant – just my opinion. Nothing's been said of this, but, I mean, you watch him. The game comes really natural to him. He's not swimming. It's not too fast. He makes plays all the time, even against veterans. He just may have it. So, I don't know if he's an option, by the way. Yesterday, Mike Norvell was asked specifically, and he did allude to him, but he was asked specifically – about what they're going to do with Micah Pittman out and how it affects punt returns. He loved that question. Yeah, well, and I was going to ask it if Ira hadn't, so I'm glad Ira bit the bullet because I was going to specifically say, well, he brought up Micah Pittman. Micah Micah posted on his blog that he's out four to six months. So it's fair game, and at that point.
0: Yeah, you're mad at Micah, not us.
1: Yeah, so at that point, another reporter asked the question, uh, Micah's announced that he's out four to six months. Coach, how does that affect the receivers? Well, I didn't care about the receivers because I already know they got a lot of them. And I was, I mean, I I hate the toughness that we lose with him out for now. But I wasn't worried about the athleticism or the depth of the receiver room. As soon as that question came up, I thought, well, very specifically, it affects the punt returns because he was good at at least catching the damn ball. You know, he got to most of them. He's not an elite returner. Don't get me wrong. But, God, we've been in the source with our return game. It's just in the gutter, it's been awful. So anybody that catches the damn ball fairly consistently is of great value to you all of a sudden. He's an asset. So I wondered how what he would say there, and he really didn't give an answer. He just said, eh, we're going to rotate a lot of guys. We're going to try a bunch of different people.
0: I think, you know, judging by some of the things that previous coaches have said, I don't know that Mike Norvell believes this because philosophies can change from staff to staff. Yeah, they usually do. But working in special teams... Sometimes can affect your work on the team side of the operation. I know Jimbo has said that before about Rashad Green. remember he had fumble-itis issues. He was terrible
1: at it. I don't know why they put him back there.
0: Uh, Tyler Hunter had an issue with it as well. sucked yep uh, there was another I forget another defensive back, but there was a third guy in that in that realm where Jimbo would say often that well, sometimes if you if you don't have confidence in in special One area, teams, yeah, it might bleed over, and you might second guess yourself whether that's in a coverage or breaking off in a route, something like that. So with a freshman, might you want him to just focus more on the craft of being a receiver at the power five level and if he's gonna crack the too deep? I agree with you that he's got a shot. He does. Put out a video this weekend with the freshman that stood out through one week of camp. And to me, Dre Jacobs was that guy. It's just I think it was Ira when you guys were talking made the point that if you're not the the largest and the strongest guy in high school, you gotta you be have better at all the other things. You're more prepared for this because yeah, yeah. It's, this is not the first you've seen of somebody who's taller and a longer athlete than you are. Whereas Hakeem, for the first time in his life, is saying, oh, my God, these guys can keep up with me. They're faster than me. They're quicker than me. Dre is already prepared for that type of thought process.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Vendravius is, uh, is, you know what, six feet tall, buck 80, whatever he is. I mean, he's not tiny, but you're right. He's not a bigger receiver, And he, but he is polished, and he makes catches in traffic. That's one of the things that stands out to me early on. He makes a lot of catches in traffic. He knows how to time his jump right. He's got a really good um, level of athleticism to him, which makes sense. But, yeah. There's a
0: knack for the spacing. I go back to a basketball example. I remember seeing a game in December of this kid's first year of real exposure. It was Devin Vassell. And you could just see that he understood the spacing. He understood how much time he needed, how much space he needed to generate to get to an open place. Or to make a pass. It's just a great knack. And that's a total intangible. But when, when you see it, it looks so easy. Another analogy, a defenseman in hockey, they don't panic. They realize they have an extra tick to time, play yeah. with. Vendravius Jacobs seems
1: to have whatever that thing is for football, which is the knack for the space. Devin Vassell now has a lot of time to think about how bad the team is that he's on. My God, San Antonio. I'm not going to deviate too far from this, but just... They're terrible. Yeah. It's terrible.
0: When he was uh, brought on and brought into that organization. You're like, oh, what a good thing. This is the Zen master. It's the Zen
1: master lesson. We'll see. And he's presiding over a whole different Zen. A suck. They are awful. That is something to behold. Like every, when you look at all the advanced numbers in the NBA, when you know, the per 100 possession stuff, they're putrid across the board. I think he's got to be like, what in the hell? I went to the Spurs. I, I went to the Spurs. This is like. We we're supposed to be guarded against these kinds of seasons. Went, no, no, you and the Pistons both are horrible, unwatchable. All right. Finally saw something from Fintrell Cypress yesterday. He hadn't done anything up until now.
0: You were getting pissed, apparently.
1: Oh, I'm tired of it. I was like, this guy's supposed to be a savior. He hadn't made a play yet. Two days of pajama football, and you were tired of it. I'm done with it. Make a play. Uh, But he made, he made several yesterday. <laughs> I was like, oh, there it is. That looks right. Okay. Never doubted you for a there second. There you go, young man. That's the kid I saw it for Virginia. There you go. You know, it was bad yesterday, and I know Mike gets mad. I probably doesn't like it if I do this. Oh, but, God. But, uh, Mike's all right. He knows. I'm going to get a call. Nah. Tate sucked yesterday. He wasn't going to good at all yesterday. It was, um, I mean, you read about pick sixes, and sometimes you're like, ooh. A couple of those are just like, well, you better pick that off. My God, what was that? Uh, yeah, I heard
0: the Kirkland one was, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What, what, there were some shaky moments. Um, I'm not, listen, he's been fine in camp. Tate makes throws. Tate made a throw yesterday that was the best throw of the day.
0: Yeah, he did on Friday, that he first full day of pads. We go, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, he he routinely uh, will make a throw once, at, once a practice where you're like, well, that's best throw of the day out of all the quarterbacks. That's the one. But he also makes throws like you saw yesterday where you're kind of like, ooh. Mm. Uh, not what we do. That old Glenn man? look. He, uh, you know, Duffy was good yesterday. Oh, um, that tells me that Glenn wasn't. Yeah, you know, he's a freshman. Uh, but I thought, I thought uh, Duffy was was pretty good yesterday. He had one bonehead moment where he threw a pick, and he just he was falling down and out of desperation, tried to get rid of the ball. And he's just like, "What, what are you doing there, my man? Just you got to wear that. You got to wear that." But he made a, several really good throws to the sideline, back shoulder throws that were really nice. He looks better right now. He's, he's playing
0: better. Well, he might be just because he's being pushed.
1: Yeah. Here comes oh, another it,
0: kid who's not going to wait for you to get it. He'll he, pass you if you don't.
1: It's the story of camp. It's the story of the spring. It's the story of what we're watching right now, which is position by position, competition, and a real sense of, and I mean this in a good way, a real sense of desperation for all involved because they understand there's somebody who's just as good as they are that is ready to replace him at any time. You know, Again, Joshua Farmer brought it up after practice. Can I just say this as an aside? I just thought about this. It's a weird thing to notice, but I noticed it. Oh, God. That kid has the best teeth of any human being on earth. They are, it, they're straighter and whiter. It, I envy the man's teeth. I wish I had his teeth. I said something to Ira yesterday off camera after we got done interviewing Farmer. He walked away. And I like the kid because he's funny and he's interesting. And, you know, you can tell he's getting more and more comfortable. And he's a good player. So there's a lot of things to like about him. He's really, really uh, – he, he praises his teammates really well. He's interesting. You know, it, it, he does properly kind of espouse what that group's about, I think. But anyhow, he walked away. I said, hey, man, is it just me? Or does that kid have the best teeth you've ever seen? And Ira, Ira's eyes lit up because he wanted to say it, too, I think. He was like, oh, it's unbelievable. I was like, they're unreal. They're a model's teeth. I want to ask him, are those your real teeth? Come on, you can come clean. You've played football your whole life. Maybe they got knocked out. You had to get some new ones. If they aren't, so what? Yeah. Oh, where did you? I mean, sir, those teeth are exceptional. That'll be a revolution before the, you know,
0: grow your own hair revolution is complete. You know, the, the new implants <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's unreal. A lot of
0: the golfers have them. A lot of the PGA Tour guys get that done.
1: Their teeth? Yeah. Implants. Well, in their teeth? Yeah. So you have perfectly working teeth, or just not as straight or white as you want, and you yank them? Yeah. Well, that's stupid. That's stupid. Why would you do that? That's dumb. I mean, it's not that important for millions of dollars. Yeah, that's look, why you're you not do. getting millions of dollars because you're now I could I could push Air Emirates. You know, <laughs> before I was getting <laughs> Southwest. <sighs> Anyhow, farmer's good player has great teeth. Probably walks around very confident with teeth like that. He knows. Eric
0: suggested they went to Z Chan. Uh, that's that's a good idea. Maybe that's what Farmer did. Go to old Z Chan.
1: There, Doctor Birch. Either one. I mean, it's it's very that's true. Uh, that's either true. one. I mean, hey, wonderful people. Oh, there's a different. One's an orthodontist. One's a dentist. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's very different. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, he was funny yesterday because he was talking about this defensive line, and he he got asked about the offensive line and some of the younger players, and he referred to you saw you saw the video right he referred to um is uh, riddick roddick i mean uh, the kid from colorado yeah casey roddick yeah he referred to him as colorado oh really <laughs> because oh, he cool. couldn't remember his name <laughs> it was great so ira asks which of the new offensive linemen have impressed you and he's like oh there are a lot of guys uh, uh colorado's good I was like, good for him. Good for him. He's like, he's sturdy. And uh, the follow-up question was about, are there some of these guys that, you know, you can't move? You know, they're, they're really big. You can't move them. And he's like, I can move anybody. I can move anybody. He's like, I was There it is. Good. Also, the name
0: Colorado Erotic Would be awesome. There you go. Colorado Rottick. Yeah. Boom.
1: <laughs> good job, Joshua. Got great teeth, buddy. It's the Jeff Cameron Show 933 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a Happy price.
0: Got your happy price. Priceline.
1: All right. You will tomorrow. Tonight. I can't hold a pen. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Someone's got to stand that I can borrow. I think, uh, do you watch, were you able to, I know you were getting over something and getting rid of the crud and all that, and you're better now. Were you able to watch any of the baseball game last night? Which? Oh, sorry. You did watch the baseball classic, world baseball classic. Good for you. It was a great game. Uh, some
0: of each. Uh, the, the killer to me was in the, in the FSU baseball game that you've got their middle reliever on the ropes, the kid who was mowing us down through the middle innings, and it's Nander, and it's the 1-1 pitch, and he squares around to bunt first and second and one out. And that's the one meatball you're going to get in that at bat because he's overthrowing. He's nearly at 30 pitches. Mm-hmm. It's just a situation. I said to Jamie, um, my wife, I said, this is it. You're going to get a pitch to hit here. He's, he's, now he's hunting for the strike zone yeah. because he's overthrowing. And we square around and we try a bunt in that situation. The benefit of which would be bringing up somebody in the bottom of the order with second and third and two out, which makes not a lick of sense. So, yeah, I did watch the game. Yeah, You think it was on his own? It had to have been. There's no way Link call At 1-1, one, one, there's no way you call that at 1-1. One, one. Right.
1: Um, somebody responded a moment ago in the chat, or a while back in the chat. Um, Daniel, go look at Florida's roster. Got 26 different kids over 6-2. Two. two whatever. I think we have 11, maybe. They're a significantly bigger team than we are. Um, they're also, the kids that aren't Giants, they're all big kids. They're fifteen They're big kids. They have two it, six eight guys. <laughs> the thing that uh, was the difference
0: last night, it's another instance in which college baseball umpiring is hot garbage.
1: Oh, it's absolutely it's, hot garbage. It is, it is.
0: But as much as we got squeezed in, in a sequence, and Baumeister did, uh, and the pitcher before him did as well, their guys got squeezed multiple occasions and still have the stuff to blow you away and get a strikeout, and they did. Yeah. And we don't. Like we build it to a two-two or a one-two. Yeah. And if you if you fool them once and it's over the middle and Doug Kirkland gets squeezed, uh-oh. But if they do and they get squeezed, the kid just gets pissed off and throws ninety-six right by you. You know that's the difference of where both programs are at this instant. It'll change, but that's the difference. Well, don't
1: forget, we lost some good arms. I mean, we lost yeah. some good arms, uh, three in particular. So, I mean, you, you're not going to overcome that right away. It is frustrating. Uh, I don't, I don't panic. Uh, I, I, I didn't. I think a lot of this, the consternation that I hear from some, is they thought that Link would be a cure-all in year one. They're playing. I mean, in terms of playing hard and playing relatively smart, they make they make miscues, they make mistakes. Uh, they're not a great defensive club, we know that. But when you look at how hard they play and what they've had to do in terms of mixing and matching kids out of position and all that, I, I got no problem. They're gonna be fine. He'll he'll ring the most out of this team. It's just that the most that you can get out of this team is a is a trip into the postseason. That's it. Like, just get into the postseason. That's the most you're going to ring out of this team. This is not a, a special team. And your record doesn't have to be otherworldly yeah.
0: to get in because oh. the, this schedule is unbelievably it's brutal. It's I brutal. Had thought prior to last night's game that the weekend series with Pitt and Boston College and a roadie at UCF and playing uh, Gulf Coast, like, you know, you would think that these are the time to get fat, these weekends and these series. And as it turns out, they're all pretty much good teams. Like, that. That was supposed to be the unranked portion of the schedule. Then you launch from Florida into these other ACC weekends, where you're playing Wake Forest and 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 so forth, a bunch of ranked opponents. This schedule, start to finish, is brutal. Yeah. absolutely brutal. And so that's going to help the RPI as long as you're in the low to mid 30s in the win total. You're absolutely getting in with this difficulty.
1: Yeah, they're not. They'll be a better team at season's end, provided they get healthy and guys get to play in their spots that they're supposed to play, and they get you know a lot of at bats or a lot of opportunities in those spots. You've you got, you got guys moving all over the place half the time because people are out, and then you got people playing just completely out of position. I mean, when you watch, Ferrer wasn't there last night in right. He was in left, but when you have him in right, he can't. It's not good.
0: Um, I've been harping about first base, too. You well, know I, mean? I mean, yeah,
1: but you you don't have a magic pill over there for first base. Nobody's going to suddenly grow four inches over there and help erase some mistakes. Um they have some young talent that I'm excited about. And again, I think they'll continue to play better as the season goes on. It may not be reflected in the record. It may not be reflected in the record. And there's no amount of getting better as this season goes on is going to change the fact that there's a dearth of talent by way of expectation for 4 State baseball um, on this roster. They, they're not good enough. To your point about those arms, they don't have enough of those arms.
0: They might uh, be able to farm and develop them by the end of the year where you have more than, more than you think you do right now. Yeah, they're but, trying to develop them now, yeah. but they
1: don't have uh, enough swing and miss, enough you know, missing of the bat. <laughs> when you, you know, not that I expect this, but did you see the final pitch Shohei Itani threw, Trout? Yeah. Whew! It is criminal.
0: It is. It's and- almost
1: an honor to be struck out with that pitch you're like really you th- you've you got that
0: and what's interesting is i think if he locates the 2-2 fastball i think trout probably catches it now i don't know that it's going to go leave the yard and tie the ball game it was 100 it was 102 yeah. in the other in the other batter's box kind of spiked it a little bit yeah. i don't think it was an intentional waste pitch but i think trout had at that point geared up he's like okay so this is what i've got to do yeah and because it was in essence, a waste pitch. Yeah. Now you can throw the breaking stuff, come and he's, back he's too ramped up. Well, he's, that's a
1: wipeout slider. I mean, my God, that thing. Also, part of
0: his follow-through motion was to let go of his glove and celebrate. It was almost instantaneous. He knew the trout wasn't going to hit it. Yeah. The The loss for the U.S., the, the tough moment is you get the homer by Schwarber, which is outstanding. Do you see the stat, stat on Schwarber?
1: All the places he's homered? Yeah. Yeah, 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 College World Series. Um, yeah, all the different. Dick Hauser Stadium. The, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, he hit some bombs at Dick Hauser Stadium, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. in both leagues, division. Yeah, really and cool. Seri- yeah, yeah World, Series, World Series,
0: ALCS, NLCS, all of it, yeah. And he that hole at bat, he was locked in. You could argue that's a great at bat. You could also say he had about five meatballs. It's about time yeah, that yeah. you turned one around and, and squared it. But the crime of that inning for the U.S.'s perspective is Trey Turner is blazing fast. And he's on first base after an unbelievable two-strike hit mm-hmm. serving into the outfield. Let the guy steal. First pitch swinging, two guys
1: in a row? Are you kidding me? I I, uh, I thought, and I think you'll agree, I thought the World Baseball Classic, as it played out this year, did more good for the reputation of the event. The, the sellouts, the quality of play, the enthusiasm, that was illustrated, exhibited, I should say, by all the teams involved, including the U.S. team. Like, it meant something to them to be there, to, to try to win. Indisputable. And it, it, it was great. It was just great. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.